0: Good morning. It's so good uh, to be back with you. My name is Pastor Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney, and uh, if I hadn't had a chance to meet you this morning, I look forward to meeting you again if this is your first time. Thank you so much for joining us. We're honored that you would join us today, and uh, we're just uh, we're excited about you being with us. We are in part two of a series called United, and uh, I'm excited about all that's really just transpired this. The <laughs> cat past week, uh, some small groups kicked off for the very first time, and uh, you know, you, you may think, what is United, why do we do this, if you've been around Milestone any amount of time, uh, or maybe you're new to Milestone, this is something we do every single year, we do it a, a couple of times a year, and, and we would call it maybe a spiritual emphasis, sometimes we'll call it a campaign, and really what it is, it's a time where we really dive in and we we really intentionally dive into God's word and take next steps, because we We've always been built around not just simply one person, uh, an individual. It's not built around y'all come and listen to me preach and you listen to Katie and the team sing. It's about all of us collectively taking next steps, growing in our relationship with God. And so that's why we do this. That's why we have these intentional times. We're very intentional about it. We put a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of energy into it. If you haven't had an opportunity to grab your, uh, your study guide so you can travel along with us honestly the guide is amazing you can even do it just self-standing you could do that by yourself and uh, and actually just unpack what it looks like chapter by chapter the book of Ephesians, and so we've got a lot of great resources. You can actually go to masterandchurch.com backslash united, and then if you're leading a group, we also have some great resources for you. Uh, there's some uh, coaching videos that we'll release each and every week as we go into each week from Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, and so we've got so many things. There's resources on there and how to how to lead a group, how to have, you know, discussions and icebreakers. There's tools on there and resources for you if you're just attending a group, uh, Uh, And I'm so proud of you. We've given out almost 250 uh, United Study Guides. So that's people just taking books and doing it with just them. Some people are like, well, all I have is just me and my wife. Awesome, you're a group. You and your wife, y'all are a group. Do a group. Get get on the leader resources. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, People are downloading the leader guide. And so it doesn't matter the season you're in. We want to remove all the obstacles for you to be able to be a part and it's because again there is power when you just take a next step. That's what begins to happen. And so this whole series is geared around the book of Ephesians. We're diving into this book. We're going chapter by chapter uh, later in the series. We will take two weeks to dive into one particular chapter, but we're unpacking what God's Word says uh, to us in each of these chapters and seeing what is it. what are the promises that God has for us as we unpack these things and as we look at what this is. And and as we look at, at this book, Uh, The book of Ephesians, I want you to open up your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, last week we had an opportunity to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, shared with us about what it looks like to be, when we're united with Christ, to be known, known by God, to understand what that means and what that looks like. This week, we're looking at this letter, and in this letter, there's this premise, right? So this letter is written to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a port city. It's thought to have been about 200,000, just over 200,000 people, very influential. There's an influential young church here that's on the cusp of growing and reaching out, and there's this overarching theme that Paul is writing, and he's talking about being united. What you're united to, what you're tied to, will define who you are. It'll impact who you are and so that's why again we go back to man this is why what you're united to really shapes who you are and it's so important that as you take next steps and as you dive into God's word and we do this together you begin to discover what God's word says about you and to you I was I was reminded this week as I thought about this amazing uh, young couple and uh, we met them a few weeks ago uh, actually we met her her name is Emmy and Emmy uh, was serving in our kids' area. And Emmy and her husband Noah, they had just recently been married. This is Emmy and Noah. You may see Emmy back there. She's taking care of our kiddos back there. And uh, she came. Her first weekend was during uh, teacher appreciation. And so we didn't know. She was here serving. We didn't know she was a teacher. And uh, so we found out she was a teacher. We honored her, gave her a gift, gave her an Amazon card, gift card, gave her this water bottle. Just loved on her. And what we didn't realize is they had actually just been married. I think they have been married for maybe two two months now. They had just moved down here from Peoria, Illinois. They were praying, God, we're looking for a church home. We feel like God's called us to, to Texas. He's called us to the McKinney Frisco area. She actually got a job. The only place she could get a job was actually in Waco at the time. So she actually drives to Waco. She's teaching in Waco all week long. So she came, she's serving, she tells her husband, he works every other Sunday. They came the next week, they took their next step. They went through 101, they've gotten involved, okay, Noah is in a virtual united group. Emmy, while she's in Waco, we're getting her into a virtual united group, so it doesn't matter where you're at, you can be here in McKinney, you can be in in, uh, Waco, Texas, you can be a part of taking your next step, and this is just so powerful, Because here they are believing for God to join them to something bigger than themselves. They come here, she tells her husband, he joins the next weekend, and they've just taken next steps. And it's exciting to see how God is already working and moving in their life. See, that's what begins to happen when you just take a next step. And I'm so proud of Emmy and Noah and just the steps that they've been taking. it's exciting to see what God's going to have in store for them. And there's so many other stories. So wherever you're at in the season you're in, you may be a single parent. You may go, well, work doesn't allow me to leave or maybe I'm not ready to go into someone else's home and meet in a group. Hey, we've got virtual groups for you. We've got in-person groups for you. We want to do whatever it takes. We're going to remove every obstacle. I mean, outside of shelter in place when we had to go all virtual and online small groups, now we're at the place where we're going. We've got virtual groups. We have in-person groups because we want to remove every obstacle for you to be able to go, hey, I want to be a part. I'm going to take the next step so I can experience all that God has in store for me. There are promises that God has. And that's, that's really, as we dive into the book of Ephesians, that's what God's talking about. That's what Paul is writing about here. There's this overarching theme that is united for the whole chapter. Last week we talked about what it look like, looks like to be known. This week, Paul's writing about this word called strength. He, he's really dialing into this aspect that there's this strength that you have access to, that you actually have, and you may not even realize that you have it. And it's actually even more than just a strength. It's this authority, this authority that you have that comes from being in Christ, from being united to Christ. And and what happens is this, is, you know, when we we look at life and we enter these different seasons of life, how many of you have ever felt like, do I have the strength to do this? I think the best way to to kind of phrase this is every season of life you go into requires a new level of strength. And I think we all ask ourselves this question. I know I have, do I have what it takes? You're stepping into a new season. Maybe you're gonna be a new parent. Maybe you're stepping into a new job. Maybe you're stepping into a new relationship. Maybe you're going off to college. Whatever it is, we all are faced with this thought, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? I remember the first time I felt that. Uh, And well, well, one of the first times, probably the most familiar time, and the most recent, one of the most recent times was when I was become uh, when I was going to become a dad, and not just any dad. I was going to become a dad to a little girl. Okay, any any girl dads in here? Okay, I'm the oldest of three boys. You want to talk about culture shock? I didn't even know it. I didn't grow up with sisters, so I didn't even know what it was like. I mean, it's like a whole new world. Okay, and I'm like, what is about to happen? Now, I'd been in youth ministry for a long time. And so I'm wondering, do I have what it takes? I'm going to tell you, here's how I used to see that season. I used to think, give them to me at 11 years old. I know what to do with them from 11 and older. It's like younger than 11. What do you do? Like you got to feed them and then like you got to change diapers and like then like there's this thing called colic and they're going to cry the whole time and then apparently there's this thing called jaundice and what do you do? You like set them out in the sun. It's like you're sunbathing your kid. I don't know. Apparently that takes care of it. What is happening? I have no idea. Do I have what it takes? And every season of life, as funny as that may be, if you've got kids, you understand what I'm talking about. And you start thinking, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And many of us wrestle with this. In fact, psychologists actually use this phrase. It's called the imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome, whereas people who have actually accomplished things begin to doubt and evaluate the things that they've actually done, and they actually wonder and doubt the things that they've accomplished. And there's this internal fear and anxiety of someday being revealed as a fraud as though they don't have what it takes. You see, you're always gonna be overwhelmed with anxiety and fear if you don't know where your strength comes from. If you don't know where this authority and this strength actually comes from, if you're trying to just do it on your own, muscle your way through, you're going, do I have what it takes? You're always going to have this internal anxiety and fear that overwhelms you. And it's this imposter syndrome that will cause you to feel that way. But there are these promises that Paul's giving us in Ephesians. We've already talked about a few of them. I mean, one of the first ones is, hey, there's unity when you're united with Christ, there's a unity. You're, in fact, not only is there a unity, you are in Christ. And you're not just in Christ, meaning that there's this power that flows in and out of you, but you're also included with Christ. That means that feeling of acceptance and wondering, am I part of the gang? Am I on the in crowd? I just want to be accepted. You are included in Christ. But the other thing is this, you get to know Him better. You know him better because you understand that he knows you and you start knowing him. Today, these are just some of the promises, but today, here's what we're going to talk about. Paul's talking about this promise of being seated with Christ. Well, what does that mean, seated with Christ? Well, Ephesians chapter 2 is so powerful. It's such a powerful chapter. In fact, the Reformation was birthed out of Ephesians chapter 2. There's so much power and it's so rich in the truth and the power of what Paul writes here and the revelation of how it impacts how we live our life, how we view ourselves and how we view the world around us. And so Paul is writing about this authority that we actually have that we may not realize that we have. So we pick up in verse 1 and here's how it begins. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So so what he's saying is, let's start off first and foremost. We can't save ourselves. Paul is reiterating again, you can't save yourself. You're dead in and of yourself, in and of your own strength. You're dead. This is not about good bad people becoming good, good people becoming better. This is about being spiritually dead on the inside, and it's about spiritually dead people becoming spiritually alive. If you try and live your life outside of a relationship with Jesus, being in Christ, you're on a crash course. You're on a collision course to just crash and burn because at the end of the day, what you're doing is simply trying to accomplish What you cannot accomplish in and of your own strength, in your own strength. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's reiterating. He's saying, let me set the table again. You can't do it yourself. You're not strong enough. You can't will yourself. This is not about religious activity. This is not about doing all the right things. This is not you trying to, if it was just religion and you doing the right things and saying the right things to get to where you need to be, it's not a program that transforms people. It's not attending service that transforms people. It's a relationship with Jesus from the inside out. He goes on, verse 2, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. So, So we all were in this place at one point, spiritually dead, moving to spiritual life we all were missing it. We all came to the place where we had to realize, I need Jesus and I need to live a life in Christ. At this time, we're gratifying, what are we doing? The cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So there's this path that we're on. We were all on there at one point, but then something happens in verse 4. Watch what happens. Verse 4, but because of His great love for us, so much power Just in that short phrase, because of his love for us, for you, for me, watch what happens. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, there's this thought that if I have all the right information, if I do all the right things then I'll get it. I'll become a good person. I'll become the right person. Then I'll end up where I think I want to be. All the information in the world isn't going to get you there because you can have all the information in the world and still be spiritually dead in your soul. It's not information that brings about transformation. It's revelation that brings about transformation. You can have it all and still be spiritually dead on the inside. That's why Paul wrote He said, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. What would that imply? That you've been set free because you've given your life to Jesus, but yet you're not walking in freedom. You're walking in captivity. You want to know what captivity is? It's limited freedom. It's like a dog on a leash. You can get so far and you get yanked back. Why? How many of you have ever felt like, man, that's how I feel like I'm living. I'm going, I'm going, and then I get yanked back, and I'm going, I'm going, I get yanked back. And how? Because we aren't realizing that there is something greater, and here's what it is. Here's what Paul says in verse six, because remember, it's by grace you have been saved. But look at what verse six starts off with and. You see, salvation is just the beginning. It's the starting line. It's not, Oh, right, check the box, okay, punch my ticket, I'm going to heaven, all right, good, awesome, now let's just keep bumping along and let me, you know, I'll keep working on my job and keep working on my 401K and I'll work to get this and work to get that and I'll pad the bank account and I'll accomplish this and I'll accomplish that and I'll get this position and get that, no, 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 no. Salvation is just the beginning. And so after you're saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him, in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, there's more than salvation. You're also seated. You're not just saved. You're seated. You're seated in a position. It's like VIP seating. Right? Any of you been in a place where you have VIP seating? I don't know if we have any Dallas Star fans in here. Uh, okay, we got one back there. Power, all right. Woo. He, he's, he's fired up. They won last night, game one. Okay. I, I, first Dallas Star game I ever went to, I went with a friend of mine. His name's uh, Ty Spinella. Well, his business has tickets Okay? And you're like, Ty's but I'm going to write that down. I'm going to call that brother. Okay? He's been, he's got to, I mean, Ty's going to be mad. He's like, man, you can't drop my name like that. So, he's like, hey, Pastor Chris, I want to take you to this game with me. I'm like, okay. He's like, man, we got parking pass. We got these seats. And I was like, oh, where are we sitting? We're sitting right behind the Dallas Stars goalie on the glass. He's like, don't lean in too much. You could get your nose broke. Okay? And then we had these VIP seats and we had this VIP access to the little lounge and you had all you could eat food. And I said, can I tell you something, Ty? You've ruined hockey for me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I ain't ever going to another game unless I come with you. I'm right here in this seat. I can walk down. I can see where all the Dallas uh, Stars and the Mavericks Park. I'm like in the underground area we walk in. I got all the food I can want to eat. I'm sitting right behind the goalie. VIP seating. That's what you have in Christ. He's made a way. You can't. I can't get there by my, I can walk in and act like, "Hey, yeah, all right, uh, yeah, I'm sitting down there." Uh, no, sir, I'm sorry. You know, you're way up here. But because I was with somebody, I'm seated with him. All of a sudden, I have access to things that I didn't even realize that I had access to. I mean, I could eat all that I wanted. I mean, I love the fact they have like three, two intermissions or something. We went down, we ate before the game, and then we ate at the first intermission. You go down, there, they give you like chili dogs at the second intermission. Mean, I'm like, man, I gained like 15 pounds at this thing. I mean, what is going on? It's like, man, why? Because I'm seated with someone. That's how it is in your relationship with Jesus. You see, you're seated with him. I want you to look back at verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's not just saved, it's seated. See, how many of you have ever wanted something just so bad? You know what I'm talking about? Like you just want, some of you in here I know, so I know what you're dialed into. You may be into cars or you may be into trucks or you may be into the accessories to vehicles. You're like, man, I want to get big tires and I want to get this, I want to get that, I want to get this. Maybe you're into hunting or you're into fishing. You know, someone asked me, do you fish, Chris? And I was like, I cast. I do a lot of casting. I don't do a lot of catching. So, no, I guess technically I don't fish. I just cast, you know. Uh, you know, whatever it is, you may be into working out. You may be into crafts. You may be into decorating. You're like always got a home project at home, and you're painting or redesigning or whatever it may be. But think about the thing that you're like, If I could, I just want this so bad. I think about my little girl. Camden, she just turned 10. I shared with you, she's dialed into this, like, bracelet-making thing I shared with you. I showed you my bracelet. Last week I made this. Let's see. I can get it out from under my, look at that power, that power, I made that all by myself, she's all dialed into it, she made one last night, or uh, the other night, and she's, we had our small group, and she was like, with this other little girl, the other night and they it's like, she had like 10 different little pieces of string, or ribbon, or yarn, I don't know what this stuff is, whatever it is, you know, she's knit. she's tying it together, all these, now, my willow, my little willow, my middle girl, she's all into unicorns. I mean, I want unicorn pajamas, I want a unicorn shirt, I want a unicorn headband, I want unicorn uh, stuff on my wall, anything is unicorn, she got a a little uh, thing for her bike, little bell, guess what it is, unicorn, you got it, Meadow, my youngest, she's all about workout stuff, I want headbands, I want wristbands, she looks like, you know, she got it all on, she wants workout bands, what is it for you? See, because here's the thing is as they get older, here's what I know is going to happen. They're going to get older and guess what? I, I just want a phone. i got to have this phone. I just want a car. i got to have this car. Think about the thing that you want that you just wish you had. I thought about that when I, when I read this story this past week about these two brothers, the Pilates brothers. They were orphaned by their parents and hungry. So they grew up on the streets, orphaned. They actually, not only did they grow up on the streets in Budapest, but they actually lived in a cave. Homeless. They would collect scraps to try and uh, get, get money to, to be able to get food or whatever it was. And so they lived. They are 40 years old at the time. Twin brothers, living on the streets, orphaned, homeless. they have been living there since they were young kids. Parents just disowned them. What they didn't realize is they had a grandmother that they actually didn't know that was of German descent who lived in Germany. And in Germany, by law, when you pass away, whatever your inheritance is goes immediately to your heir. So what began to happen is all these different people through tracing genealogy Found these brothers. They they got connected with these homeless organizations that that uh, these brothers had been a part of, and they tracked these brothers down. And they said, "Listen, your grandmother, who you didn't know, lived in Germany, passed away, and she left you an inheritance." And they said, "Well, how much?" The inheritance was equivalent to five billion dollars. And they went from living in a cave and homeless to five billion dollars. You see, the very thing that they wanted for all this time, all this time as they're living in caves, wishing they had all these different things, they actually had access to the whole time. They just didn't know it. You see, it's one thing. It's one thing to, to, to want something you don't have. That can be frustrating. But it's even more agonizing to realize you already had it, but you didn't know it. It's, it's, it's like, man, if I could just have this, man, I don't have it, but if I had it, it's frustrating, but it's agonizing to realize, man, I, I have something I have access to that I'm entitled to, but I didn't even realize I had it this whole time. You see, that's, that's where the brothers were at. So, so how do we do that? How do you know if you're wanting something that you actually already have? Well, you start evaluating your own life and you start going, well, how do I know? Well, here's the first thing, and, and I, this is how you can gauge, wow, okay, I actually have something in Christ, but I don't realize that I have it. Here's the first thing is, one, you don't think God hears you when you pray. If you wrestle with that thought, you think God's too busy, God's far off, He's not close. Well, maybe you don't realize, you actually have access to something that you don't realize you have. Because God is near. So many of us at times don't experience what it's like to have a dynamic prayer life. To know that we can actually connect with God on a personal level and grow in our relationship with Him. Maybe you feel insecure about your future. So many of us feel anxious and we feel worried and, and really that's a byproduct of not knowing whose we are. You see, we belong to God. We have a plan and, and He has a plan and He has a purpose for us. Maybe you find yourself always taking credit for the good things, but you're ashamed of your mistakes. If you do, then, then you may not realize you actually have access to something that you don't realize that you already have. Maybe you're jealous when other people are promoted. Right, You you wrestle with this thought of of zero-sum, that God is a zero-sum God. And if someone else is getting something, that means you're missing out on something. That's not how God works. God is not zero-sum. So just because someone gets something doesn't mean you're going to miss out. But every time you see someone getting promoted, you get dialed up and you get wound up. And you feel like, well, here we go again. I'm missing out and I'm not going to have and I'm not going to have. No, no, no. You're missing it. Maybe you're confused if you're worthy of God's blessing. You see, when you think about that language, you're seated with Christ. That doesn't mean you are a God. The language that Paul is using is the language of inheritance and sons and daughters. What's he saying? He's saying there's this unification process that because you are found in me and you have a relationship with me, there's this transformation that begins to happen. And because of that, you now come into a different level of relationship with me. So what do we do? What's Paul saying? What's he focusing on? What are the promises that he has for us? You see, here's some of the benefits that you're going to gain from understanding and recognize that you're seated with Christ. The first is this, access. Access. You see, when you have access, you can now relate to God in a healthy way. You see, where you're seated determines your position. Your position determines your perspective. If you've been at a sporting event, think about it. Why did I tell Ty, man, I ain't ever going to another Dallas Stars game? Because I like being seated right behind the goalie. I don't want to be way up there in the nosebleed. That determines a different perspective. I'm probably looking at a screen more than I'm looking at the ice. You see, where you're seated determines your position. Your position determines your perspective. Think about it. We all we all do that every day when we go to the movie theaters. I don't know if any of you, Wendy and I went back to the movie First time I went to the movie theaters, and like, you know, it feels like eight or nine months. I mean, I don't know. But I can remember back in the day, it was a full-on strategic blitz to get to the movies. You know what I'm talking about? There were lines. You were like trying to get in front of folk. You're trying to, man, we gotta get there early. You're getting there early for it. why? Because you didn't want to sit where? Right up front. Because look, if I if the only seat available is right up front and I gotta look like this, I ain't going. I'm going to get my money back. I don't want now. It's awesome. You get on the app. You can see where what seats are available. You can pick yourself. Oh, I want to sit here. I want to sit there. Oh, there's people sitting right there. I want not just two seats between us. I want four seats between us. I want to be in the middle. Wanna, you can pick your seat because if I don't have a good seat, guess what? I ain't going. So you do it every single day, and that's what happens. You now have access to something. But we live, many of us, in extremes, Because we're not seated with Christ and we don't understand the access that we have, the two extremes that we live in are this. Either one, we live in shame. You see, guilt and shame are powerful. When we walk in sin, when we're not living the way God has called us to live, we feel guilt. Guilt is, I feel bad for what I did. But many of us are overwhelmed with shame. Shame is what I did is who I am. You don't have to live in shame. And so you think, well, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. This is just who I am. What I did is who I am. This is just how it will always be. No, you have access because you are seated with Christ in him. It changes your position, which changes your perspective of yourself and life. But here's the other extreme, entitlement. Ah, I can do whatever. You know, God's going to forgive me. It's fine. Don't miss. Don't mistake. God loves you, but that doesn't mean there's not consequences for the choices that you make. There will be consequences. So you can't live in title. Think about it. You see it with your own kids. When your kids are just overwhelmed with something they did, and they just can't seem to get over it, and you're trying to encourage them through and shame is trying to dominate and dictate how they see themselves. Or they walk around like, yeah, I own it. You know, I ain't got to pick up. I got that. How many of you, you say the things you heard your parents say. They're like, I want this. I want that. I want that. And you're like... Do you think money grows on trees? You're like, oh my gosh, I sound like my dad, you know? Because why? There's entitlement. And so you end up living in these two extremes, but you don't have to live that way. You see, when you understand you have access because of what Christ did on the cross and you are in Him, you aren't just a sinner saved by grace, you are seated with Him. You are not a clean version of your dirty old self. That's how many of us live. I gave my life to Jesus and you still see yourself as a clean version of your dirty old self. The Bible says you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. Are there habits that need to change? Is there healing in your soul that needs to be healed? Absolutely. But you're not a clean version of your dirty old self. You are made new in Christ and you're seated with Him. You have access to that. Why? Because you know whose you are which then allows you to understand this, that there's an an acceptance that you receive when you're seated with Christ. You see, acceptance is receiving unconditional love, this unconditional love, which then in turn changes what I love. The hardest thing that we try to figure out, all of us, is how do I change? How do I change? There are rules. There is right and wrong. You need to know them. But knowing what is right and wrong and knowing what the rules are isn't going to change you. That isn't going to fix you. So how do we do that? Well, it comes down to what am I setting my appetites on? You see, you don't, you don't crave. You don't eat what you crave. Think about it. You don't eat what you crave. You crave what you eat. What you keep putting in you, you wonder, why do I keep going back to that? Why do I keep going back to that? Why do? Because that's what you're consuming spiritually, emotionally, visually, mentally, audibly. You crave what you eat. It's that old saying garbage in, garbage out, right? How many of you have ever heard that before? So what happens is you have to go, it's not, if you want to walk in freedom over sin, over lust, over anger, over rage, over all these things, it's going, wait a minute, I'm seated with Christ, I'm accepted, I don't have to earn anything. And so what begins to happen is I begin to change my affections, I set it on other things. I begin to change my appetite, I set it on other things. And what begins to happen is that transformation happens from the inside out. That's how you overcome the guilt and the shame. You see, the truth is, at some point, we have to get past doing the right thing so we can get a reward. How many of you had kids? You're like, all right, if you behave, I'm gonna give you some ice cream. If you behave, there's a reward for you. You know, you're trying to bribe your kids. At a certain point, we have to get past doing the right thing because we're going to get a reward. We do the right thing because the right thing is happening inside of us and it begins to come out of us. This past week, we, uh, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Jeff, for us as a lead team, we, we invest into our team, and so we had a staff gathering, we took three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, just invest, played games, had fun, had messages, imparted in them, they ate real good, there was, I mean, we just had all sorts of stuff, and I was traveling this past week, so I missed the first two days, and I flew in on Tuesday night, and we had a service, and uh, I'm just telling, there's a team that loves you, McKinney Campus, Keller Campus, there's a team that loves you. We love that team. We want to serve them and tend to them as they serve and tend to you. And so that's one of the greatest things that we can do as a team. I want you to know that's a value for us because the best way to serve you is to also serve and equip them so they can serve and equip you. And so we flew in, and we had service. We had dinner. We had service. And I hadn't seen the kids or Wendy for about a week. And we get done, and we and so we're leaving Keller. It's about 930 right, and, and it's late, you know, and I'm driving, and we kind of coming into Grapevine, and I told Camden, she's riding with me, the other two girls are with Wendy, I said, you want some ice cream? Yeah, I mean, there ain't nothing better than ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. So we pull over, found Andy's frozen custard. Thank God they're open to like 11, you know. And so we pull in there. I got one of them big old, you know, I mean, hey, I've been, you know, working hard that past week. So I got me a big old, me and Willow, we shared a big old like cookies and cream. I don't even know what they're called. I don't know. Concrete, cement, blizzards, I don't know. Blizzards, Dairy Queen, whatever they're called. And we just kill it, Meadow, she's got a chocolate ice cream cone bigger than her. She's leaning like this. <laughs> You know, she, it's dripping. She can't eat it fast enough. I got chocolate ice cream all over the concrete. They were so mad at us when we left, you know. I'm like, it, it was. but you know why we did it? I didn't go, hey, Wendy, did they behave this week? Were they good? Oh, y'all were good? Okay, let's go get ice cream. I just miss my kids. I said, hey, gang, let's just go get ice cream because I love them. You see, you're in here thinking if I do the right thing and if I say the right thing, then God's going to go, hey, son, daughter, let's go get ice cream. But He's looking at you going, I love you. You're accepted. You're seated with me. Let's just go get some ice cream because I love you. You see, there's acceptance when you're seated with Christ. And then here's the third thing there's an assignment. You see, I'm free to find power in my purpose. I find power in my purpose. Paul writes at the end, and one of my favorite verses is verse 10, where he says, look, you are God's handiwork. You're his workmanship. The NLT translation actually says you're his masterpiece created for good works that he prepared ahead of time that you may walk in them. So he didn't just create you for good works. He also created you to walk in those good works. This is the same conversation. You see, there's an assignment. When you know that you're accepted, when you know you have access because you're seated with Christ, you begin to walk in a greater measure of purpose, and you recognize, wait a minute, there's an assignment for me. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples, the Great Commission, Matthew. Verse 18, chapter 28, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You hear that phrase. He's talking to the disciples. They're probably going, What? Me? But the power to accomplish the assignment God gave you isn't in your own willpower and your own strength. It's in the fact that he's with you. The one who has all authority is with you to help you walk in it. And so you can walk in that assignment. I think about 101, we're going to have 101 right after service today. And there's a certain part where we talk about this, and we talk about, hey, we're in everyone church. The goal is make a disciple. That means you're going to make a disciple. And a lot of times I get big old bug eyes and like, wait, wait, hold on. You're like you're going to give me a job and you want me to make a disciple? I'm just trying to become a disciple. I mean, I'm just trying to like live right and love Jesus. And Yeah, but you know, you want to know what really people are experiencing in that moment? Am I qualified enough? Am I adequate enough to be a part? You see, God has more for you than just coming and attending. The greatest tragedy is that we walk in here and think, oh, I'm saved by grace, but we forget there's an and. And in that end, we are seated, we have this strength, this authority, this power that we have in being seated with Christ. It gives us access, it gives us acceptance, but it gives us an assignment. And you don't have to go in your own strength, you don't have to have it all figured out. He's with you and He's for you and He helps you along the way. You see, in this season, it's been so challenging Not because you've been disconnected simply from people, but many have been disconnected from their purpose. Disconnected from doing what God has called them to do in the assignment that he's given them. I was reminded of this this past week. So I I was out of town this past week, and Pastor Jeff, we got to hear from Pastor Jeff this last week because I was gone. I was actually, we had planned a trip, myself, Pastor Tyron, and Pastor Pat uh, from our Keller campus back in January and February to do the Wonderland Hike. Now, I hadn't hiked like this. I hadn't done any backpacking like this since I was 19, and now I'm 42, so over 20 years ago, you feel old. But I hadn't done anything quite like this. So the Wonderland hike is 93 miles when you add all the other switchbacks and things like that. It's a 100-mile hike around Mount Rainier. So we decided we were going to do this in six days. I actually took this picture on the trail of Mount Rainier. And there were many days where we're out there, and I'm asking myself... The same thing, we all ask ourselves in life, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And so as we're hiking this hike and as we're, we're going through and we're realizing, we're like, oh, my God. There was one time we asked Pastor Pat, you know, like, hey, we're videotaping. You're like, what do you want to tell your wife? And he's like, uh, I stopped feeling my legs about seven miles ago. The only problem is we still had like nine miles to go. We're like, oh, my God. I mean, we hiked. One day, we hiked 21.2 miles. It was an 18, we hiked for 18 hours. At 6 o'clock, we had nine miles left to go. We said, hey, boys, get out the headlamps. (laughs) We're going to be hiking in the dark. I hope there's no bears or mountain lions up here, which there were, but hopefully we don't see them. And here's the thing. What allowed us to get there? It was just one foot in front of the other. It was just taking one next step. You see, when you take a next step, you have the opportunity to see and experience things that otherwise you never would have. We had the opportunity to see this because we just kept taking a next step. Then we go, all right, Pastor Chris, well, what's the point? I have no plan on doing the Wonderland hike. I have no plan on hiking one mile up a mountain, much less 93 miles around a mountain. But here's the truth. That in life there's going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys. In life it is a hike. And to get to the position to experience and see the things that God has in store for you, it's just going to be you taking one step after the other. Just take your next step. And you're going to you're going to experience what we experienced over 6 days multiple times as we hiked all day long. Do I have what it takes? Man, this is painful. Can I make it? Can I t- Do I have what it takes? And here's what I want you to know. You were born for this. You've got what it takes. You're accepted because you're seated with Christ. You have access because you're seated with Christ. You have an assignment because you're seated with Christ. And not only do you have what it takes, you were born for this. Every mountaintop and every valley, God's with you and He's for you.